crime investigations all the time. Cyberology, Dakota State's podcast for all things cyber and technology. I'm Jen Burris, and I have a co-host with me today. Jenna Martin. And we have a special guest, Heath Abraham, our safety resource officer. Welcome, Heath. Thank you. Um, how about you start by just kind of telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name's Heath Abraham. I'm a police officer with the City of Madison. I've been employed by the City of Madison since uh, July of 2003, so coming up on 20 years with them. And in 2017, the city of Madison and Dakota State entered into a partnership to provide a uniformed police officer on campus to serve as their safety and resource officer. So since that time, uh, I spend nine months out of the year and you know, periodically throughout the summer on campus doing whatever really comes up that the university needs me to help with, whether it be basic investigations for thefts from bookstores, assaults that might occur on campus, traffic violations or traffic complaints, vehicle accidents in parking lots. And then I also do or serve on the risk management team here at the university. Uh, I think uh, I have a military background that brings a different point of view sometimes to some of those things. So I'm just add another tool or resource to the students here at Dakota State. So happy to be here. Okay, and what's your military background? So I am a combat engineer or an engineer officer. I've been in the military or in the South Dakota Army National Guard since 1997, December of 97. So rolling up on 25, 26 years of service now. Um, currently serve as the battalion commander for the 153rd Engineer Battalion here in the South Dakota National Guard. Had an opportunity to deploy, serve in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Africa now. So wow. been, been all over the world doing military stuff and bring a lot of those um, experiences back to help the city of Madison and mm -hmm. help Dakota State. Well, definitely thank you for your service because yes, that's quite an you. accomplishment to, to pull that stuff off and still come back home with that's no just, issues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, more you, the more you travel around the world, the more or the happier I am uh, to always come back to the Midwest. Mm -hmm. yep. so. Absolutely. So um, you kind of mentioned a little bit when you were telling us about yourself, but uh, what um, all do you do as a safety resource officer on a college campus? So I get an opportunity, and it, it's one that I really enjoy, to go into classrooms at times and talk a little bit about uh, South Dakota law as it regards to typical things that might occur on campus, sexual harassment, um, harassment via digital media, things like that, physical uh, assaults, sexual assaults, basic traffic violations, stuff like that. Things to educate the Dakota State University student body to have a better, safer um, college experience while they're here in Madison. So I get to do that. I, I really enjoy that. And then I also run the Campus Watch program, which is five to six uh, students, so through the student labor um, program, that provide just a security escort and a little bit more uh, physical or building security on campus from 8 p.m. to midnight, now seven days a week. So if students feel unsafe uh, walking about campus, they can call Campus Watch and get that escort or coordinate for that escort to get them safely from 
wherever they are on campus, back to their car, back to their residence hall, just to, again, uh, increase the safety for students here and have mm -hmm. improved their college experience for them. Visit with us a little bit about the digital harassment. I'm interested yeah. in learning more about that. Right, so digital harassment, I mean, whether it be on a social media platform, Facebook, um, TikTok, Instagram, whatever media platform yep. they're, they're on, if you can identify the individual that's potentially uh, making harassing or uh, inappropriate comments to somebody, what, or it could be via text message, WhatsApp, uh, Snapchat, some of those are a little harder to use because they're somewhat anonymous. But uh, we can potentially come up with subpoenas, warrants for information from those social media platforms to come back with I, um, IP addresses or computers okay. and that might lead us in the right direction to identifying the actual individual submitting that stuff. But the South Dakota um, legislature enacted a law several years ago as far as pr uh, protecting people from that digital harassment. And it's not just one comment. Harassment is not one statement made that you didn't like. It's repeated and yep. uh, constant harassment. Several messages over the course of days and weeks, I would say several messages a day for several days and weeks mm -hmm. would constitute harassment, not just one comment yep. that somebody didn't like. But you don't have to say it face-to-face -face anymore. You don't have to pick up the phone and say yep. it anymore. If you're doing it over social media, that, that can constitute harassment as well. Yep. So we have an opportunity to partner with Dakota State in that respect as far as um, potentially seizing cell phones and computers when we have claims that are justified to uh, you know, hack into a, a computer or a cell phone and look for that nefarious uh, conduct in there to see if they're actually doing what they, they've been accused of doing. Mm -hmm. And that, that digital evidence, uh, something that we, we hear it said all the time, once you put it on the internet, it never, never comes it's off. It's there again. forever. Yep, yep. It's, it's there forever. So as you might delete your browser history, but that doesn't clear everything off of your computer that you've done. So yep. the, uh, the Mad Labs building and their uh, dig force uh, lab over there has been a great asset, not just to the Madison Police Department and the students of universe, or the students of Dakota State, but all across the state of South Dakota, we're able to, uh, we are able to facilitate that relationship through the, the dig force lab and now get results back in minutes rather than days or weeks. Uh, when I first started my, my law enforcement career, we would send computers to peer to see if they were able to hack into them to see maybe if there's child pornography on something like that. And it would take weeks, if not months, to get results back. So one, we're able to pursue or keep our investigation going at a more reasonable rate. Mm -hmm. Two, even those accused are, uh, you know, have the right to due process in a timely prosecution. So the Dig Force Lab has helped on a lot of different levels to protect students, protect uh, our community, help law enforcement, and to some extent provide a better service to even those accused of crimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. I'm curious. Since you've been in law enforcement um, for some time, how have um, you addressed these changes in, like, digital harassment was not a thing, I'm guessing, when you as much when you first started? Absolutely. We, um, we have continuing education requirements as law enforcement officers, and um, there's been a lot of changes in technology and, and the crimes that we see over the course of the last 20 years. 
See, I, I would think the biggest crime was when, when Heath was younger, it was you'd call somebody, is your refrigerator running? You better go get it and hang up. That was the harassment thing. <laughs> prank calls. <laughs> yeah, prank right. calls. Prank calls used to be a thing. And honestly, we see, it started. we see less of that because it's a lot easier to identify. Everybody's yeah. cell phone has caller ID on it or at least a phone number that we can then turn over to law enforcement and we can figure out who owns that phone number. We can contact their cell phone, cell phone provider with a, a real simple subpoena and say, who owns this cell phone number? We find it, you know, if it's harassing or it's uh, really lewd or crude in nature, we can address it. If it's a simple prank call, uh, yeah. we're probably not going to get involved. Good because to know. It's, Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jenna has some ideas. I don't think anybody's going to complain if you call and ask if that refrigerator's running. Might so, But uh, as far as t- technology goes, we've had uh, cha- several changes in the computer programs that we use to securely track and uh, keep our, our information safe while we generate our reports and do our investigations. When it comes to, say, on-scene investigations, we went from carrying little pocket recorders around to now having Axon body cameras that we wear on our person. We have uh, Axon systems within our cars so that when we activate our emergency lights, our body cameras and our in-car cameras are all uh, wirelessly activated to record mm-hmm. everything. So it's less... That's cool on our our word or our reports and more on just the actual video and audio that we provide. So there's a, a lot less effort or credit put towards the report and a lot more weight put on our videos mm-hmm. and our, and our audio recordings, which is good because there's, we can change wording, you know, we can say that the, the suspect said this or that. When we have video and audio of it, there's no question about who said what. So it, uh, that's a great piece for us. And, we went from having no in-car cameras to having micro cassette tape in-car cameras, little little camcorders oh, oh, wow. that were just bolted to our dash, to having uh, USB card cameras, and now to these integrated wireless cameras that you know, automatically download to our systems when we pull within a certain proximity of our, our police department. So a lot of changes in the uh, tech world and law enforcement as well. Do you think that adds a level of kind of transparency with the public where they feel a little more comfortable that you have like the wireless video systems or not? It doesn't, it doesn't. So certain people, that, you know, there's radical left and right that, that feel that way. So I love it because it does add a, a level of transparency. You don't have to take my word for it. Mm-hmm. There's processes for you to go through and get that information if you were involved in an incident to see exactly what we saw, what was recorded, who said what. Maybe somebody's intoxicated, says, I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Well, in hindsight, when you go back and review the video, yeah, you did say that. Uh, but now that we have body cameras worn on our person, by, uh, the cameras integrated in our cars, Maybe the city, our city here in Madison has license plate readers currently mounted throughout the city to, uh, and we don't use that in a malicious or nefarious way. We're out there uh, just trying to protect the public. And we've had great success recovering stolen vehicles, potentially catching uh, serial rapists, uh, violent sex offenders that have, are you know, out of compliance with their uh, sex offender registration. So a lot of, a variety of different things have, have wow. been aided. That's all from the license plate? That's all from the mm-hmm. license plate readers. And people are wow. like, well, I don't want you reading my license plate. Well, understand that I'm never going to look at it unless I have a reason to. And unless your vehicle matches the, the description that was given to us by, you know, of the offender, we're still not going to look at your license plate. 
we're not going to look at your car. And it doesn't catch the person driving the car. It only reads the license plate. So you'll get a picture of the front end of the vehicle or the back end of the vehicle. We can't even tell how many occupants there are in the car when it comes through. It's just the license plate mm-hmm. to say that that person was here at this time. So it, it doesn't take a lot of information. And you're in the public roadway anyway. Mm-hmm, yep. yeah. so, so you don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, what, what right do you really have to privacy when you're traveling down the public roadway? Mm-hmm. Right? You don't own the ground. It's not like in your own house. Mm-hmm. We're not spying on your house. So mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's reasonable if people put the safety of the, of the community over their own personal opinion of what they think is an invasion of privacy on public roadways that they don't own. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, so I want to bring it back full circle and ask you, so when you're here on campus, do you wear your Axe body cam then? Yes. While you're on campus? All Always the time. have my body Whenever camera you're on. Whenever you on duty. It's Anytime on I do an recording. interview with a student cool. in regards to anything, uh, I activate my camera and have it going because, again, it's, it's less about what I say and do. Yep. It's exactly about that, that video audio recording that I have of that um, interaction with that student. Yep. I can't be accused of much other than exactly what you see in the video. Yep. Well, and sometimes you forget exactly what you said, and it's nice to be able to go back and just be like, okay, maybe the, a couple words changed, but it's the same message. Right, yeah, the only thing we're lacking right now is something to go back and basically convert that conversation, recognize voices. Convert, Transcription. Yep, convert that conversation or transcribe that into a report. That would be fantastic. If somebody wants to go ahead and create that, that would I'm be I'm guessing it's I'll coming. tomorrow. <laughs> I know I use Otter AI to transcribe my notes for audio. I don't know if it does video, but mm-hmm. might want to look into that. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. So how do you teach, since you go into classrooms, how do you teach students to um, be safe in this technology-advanced world? Oh, so we, we look at what students are really concerned about, and I think a lot of it, it's not so much what law enforcement talk about, but what a lot of, a lot of organizations have started going towards as far as uh, cybersecurity and uh, information awareness. So protecting your personal, personally identifiable information, keeping your ID secure, locking your, your car doors or your dorm rooms, having multi-factor authentication for whatever accounts you have. I would encourage that for anything that offers it, that dual-factor or multi-factor identification. We talk about those types of things with them. Then a lot more of it is, as far as safety goes, is Mm -hmm. physical safety here on campus. Mm -hmm. So we advocate for um, increased lighting, increased cameras. Uh, As personal safety goes, the South Dakota Board of Regents has allowable amounts of something like pepper spray. And then there's other things that you can wear on your person, um, you know, plastic, hard plastic rings if you had, you know, if you got into a hands-on confrontation with somebody who was looking to assault you that you could use to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Things that aren't necessarily weapons, but that could be used to defend yourself in a self-defense uh, situation. Mm-hmm. So I know I was always taught, put your keys in between your knuckles Absolutely. When you're a single girl walking alone. That could be incredibly violent if you, if you do the right thing with that. But, yeah, I, I always encourage uh, people when I go into these classrooms that when you're in a self-defense situation, somebody's trying to hurt you, trying to assault you, there's no rules. So you kick and scratch and gouge eyes and uh, anything that you've – any place you've been told to never hit somebody, those are your first priorities. So you hit, scratch, kick, bite, all those things 
that because are because they're attacking real. you. Exactly. We're talking potentially life and death. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else, a violent encounter that will forever impact your life. So you have a right to self-defense and do whatever you have to do to defend yourself in that scenario. Absolutely. So you mentioned like cameras on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen technology impact safety over the years? I know we've kind of touched on that already, but... Right, so in tech over over the years has, has developed quite a bit. Thereof. I would say from 99 to 2003, when I was at South Dakota State University, we had emergency blue lights established around campus. A half a dozen of them or so were put up around campus. If you were at, uh, if you felt you were at risk, you were being chased or something, you could run to the blue light. Obviously, there's a camera there. There's an emergency contact. You'd hit a button. It would open up a line with 911 dispatch, and you could call for help in that capacity. Um, we don't necessarily have those here on campus, but on a much smaller campus. So tech, how has it increased here specifically at DSU? We've had seen a significant increase in the number of security cameras on campus. Uh, there's always opportunity to expand that. Uh, we certainly could use more in parking lots, and we could use more cameras that face, say, the outer perimeter of campus. Mm-hmm. Right now, they, they focus on the inner corridors where most people travel, so it's, it's a good start, but there's always room for improvement. We've also seen an increase in the uh, ID card or proxy card access to resident hall buildings. That has not always been the case, and it's often was just the keys or the doors were open, and you were just told to lock your door when you were in your dorm room. So the increase in uh, limited access mm-hmm. with uh, technology has certainly been improved. And again, there's room for uh, continued improvement there. I'd like to see limited access to all of our uh, instructional buildings. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't think that if you, I should say, I believe that if you don't have a reason to be in the science center, that you, then you shouldn't have access to the science center. Uh, that keeps the staff and I faculty agree. that work in the building safe. That keeps the students that go to class in that building safe. And it is, uh, once the systems are in place, because we have the systems in some buildings, mm-hmm. but we have buildings on campus that date back to the you know, conception of the university, to the mm-hmm. Dakota State College. Right? Uh, those buildings are harder to update. But with the construction of new buildings, new technologies put into it. So I think we'll get there. The challenge, of course, like I said, is the old buildings. The, the cost is always a challenge. And then selling it as a priority when in the best case scenario, if all of our security measures work the way they're supposed to, mm-hmm. we'll never have a violent encounter. We'll never have a violent rape occur on campus. We'll never have a murder or a mass shooting on campus because it'll be too hard for that assailant to do to what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So we'll have no proof that it worked except that it hasn't ever happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be because we're lucky could be because we're a hardened target. My, my, my goal would be to create that hardened target. I don't want to hope that we get lucky and not mm-hmm. have something happen while we're here or ever. Yeah, absolutely. How would you explain the difference between making sure campus is safe and protecting campus from the outside? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so we can do a lot of different things on campus to make campus safe. Uh, the student body can do a lot of things to advocate for uh, increased presence of law enforcement on campus. Uh, If you're not doing anything wrong, you should not be afraid of us. We're just another person. And we've all got families we want to go home to. So we want to keep the community safe. We want to keep campus safe in that capacity. The student body can have activities that promote awareness and safety and respect 
and protection of each other and standing up for, you know, against bullying or hazing. So there's lots of things a student body can do to keep campus safe. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as fit protection, say that, that harder, more uh, physical protection of campus, we don't want to see campus walled. I, th I don't think that makes campus look inviting or welcoming to anyone. But having that limited access to our buildings provides mm -hmm. that physical barrier that protects us while we're in class. That, in my mind, allows students to focus on what they're here for as far as improving their education, achieving that higher education, and becoming a, con a positively contributing part of our community and the, the nation as a whole. So there's lots of tech efforts that we can pursue for protection, physical protection. There's a lots of personal, emotional, and mental efforts, right? Non-tangible ways that the student body can pursue to improve safety here on campus. Mm -hmm. If we don't let our friends go out to their cars late at night by themselves, it doesn't cost the university anything. That's us being, you know, assuming some responsibility for the overall safety of campus. Mm -hmm. So that's something students can do. Okay. So what would people be surprised to know about your role as a safety resource officer? I get asked a lot of city counseling type questions. Hmm. People still see a stigma in pursuing or seeking mental health counseling. A lot of people do not seem to see that same stigma associated with just going and talking to a cop. So I'm able to sit down with kids often and kind of triage the situation and say, hey, through our conversation, through that development of a relationship, or a little bit of a rapport with those students, I can talk them into going to the counseling center and getting more professional help. And sometimes it's as simple as saying, hey, are you okay? And I've had kids just tell me they're not. And I'm saying, well, here's the deal. And I, and I get to kind of maybe use the force of the badge behind mm -hmm. it. We're going to go talk to a counselor now. And I don't really make it sound like there's an option. You've told me that you're not okay. I'm going to get you help. Mm -hmm. We're going to go get you help. So that's, uh, I think that's probably the most surprising thing that I've experienced here is the opportunity I have to provide some counseling. Uh, maybe, maybe it's mental health. Maybe it's just life counseling. Mm -hmm. uh, they come and talk to me, find out my story. I grew up around here. I've traveled around the world. I went to a different university, and now I'm back here in Madison. And there's just a lot of things that kids haven't learned these days that I took for granted that I was taught as a kid or that I've learned throughout my experiences. So sharing some of those experiences with kids to help them get over a rough spot mm -hmm. is a great uh, great surprise that I've had or great surprise opportunity that I've had here on Dakota State's campus. I think it's really amazing that kids feel comfortable coming yeah. to you. Some do, yeah. Uh, but it's all about the, that presence. I walk. I try to be out in I DC see you a lot. Mm -hmm. and walk through the dining areas and say hello. And yeah, I probably make some kids uncomfortable because I like to have a face-to-face -face conversation with somebody, shake a hand, have eye-to-eye -eye contact. But when you do that, yes, it's uncomfortable at first. But afterwards, you can look somebody in the eye, and it's it's a character trait that I think yep. people should strive for mm -hmm. to be able to look somebody in the eye and have an honest, frank conversation with them. And strike up a conversation with a stranger. So I That's go and do that. favorite thing to do. <laughs> I, I kind of I do enjoy it because I do kind of appreciate seeing the, uh, or I should say enjoy seeing a little bit of that uncomfortable-ness uh, that happens with the students when I go and initiate a conversation with them. And by the end of the conversation, they're like, oh, yeah, hey, I'll stop down and talk to you again sometime. 
or we'll visit as we go by, or they'll remember my name and I'll remember theirs. So a, a relationship develops a lot faster when you have eye-to-eye contact and a face-to-face interaction. So. Absolutely, that's one thing with technology. You know, we're quick to send an email or a text, and right. there's something different in relationship bonding in being in person and looking at each other in the eye and having a friendly smile even. Absolutely. So. You know, honestly, this is one of the things that I really enjoy about coming up here. I was a, a patrol officer for 14 years, and I had a lot of negative interactions, a lot of brief negative interactions. People got into fights, people got handcuffed, people went to jail. Up here, I can go and have a positive interaction with somebody that potentially helps them through a rough spot, and I get to see them move on and succeed in life. Maybe come back and tell me the success story after a couple of years, where on the street, the average patrolman doesn't get that. Mm -hmm. We have the repeat offenders that we constantly deal with that we learn more about their family than about our own. So it's this has been rewarding and a fresher breath air to be here. And all in all, wouldn't you say our campus is fairly safe? I mean, you probably don't have very our, many many interactions throughout the school year. Our campus is incredibly safe comparatively to the other campuses in South Dakota. Yep. And I would say South Dakota and the upper Midwest is by far the safest place to go to college in the nation right now. Yep. If you can pick a university in Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, um, Utah, Nevada, mm-hmm. a lot of those uh, – Lower populated rural states have a significantly safer campus environment than the East Coast, the South, and the West. Um, The more populated areas you go to, the more crime you have. So if you can come here, get an outstanding education, and focus on your education, and not have to worry about your safety, I I think it's a a no-brainer to come to the upper Midwest and pursue that college degree, especially when DSU is ranked in the top 10 in the nation for our cyber programs. And we have fantastic uh, educator programs. Uh, some of the best, I think, in the state of South Dakota come out of Dakota State because they incorporate the technology into yep. the teacher education mm-hmm. systems. My wife's a product of Dakota State and that when she goes into a school system, she's been tasked to help educate the other teachers on these different pieces of IT that they can use in their classroom. So there's a, there's a ton of benefits to being here. Not just its safety, but specifically the education you get here. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd like to highlight? You know, uh, I would tell you that uh, in, in prepping for this, I went through and found an article from Inside Higher Ed. And I would just throw out there eight areas of apprehension about campus safety that kids have. Okay. And there are things that the student body and campus should consider. And number one is security offers without enough presence on campus. We look at some of the school shootings and stuff that have taken place over the years, recently, in mm-hmm. the recent years, and there's multiple buildings or campuses within a school district or a university setting, and there's only a handful of officers assigned. So though we hope that we never need them, need them having an increased security presence is something that students have identified they are concerned about. The second one is the size of the security staff and incident response time. Now, in some situations, we have fantastic response time. And at Dakota State, where the university campus, physical campus is fairly small, our response time here in Madison is going to be fast. You know, but when seconds count, we're a minute away. We're two minutes away. So it's still incumbent upon the individual to fight for their own safety, to fight for their life if necessary. But know that the police are coming here in the city of Madison. 
dark pathways on campus is the number three uh, concern for students. And that's something the university can certainly work on. Adding lights and features like that is not an incredibly expensive cost when we look at the budgets of, of universities, even state budgets of state universities. Lighting can always be improved at a fairly reasonable rate, but we have to have people advocate for it. Not enough attention on sexual assault. And I know that our counseling center does a great job at this, but the number four point here, when you talk about student safety, is not enough attention on sexual assault. So our counseling center can advocate for it. We can put out information, but students have to have the integrity and the respect for others to not commit that type of crime. Mm -hmm. And that comes back, you know, us as parents raising those kids right, students going out and saying that this is an acceptable behavior. A lot of, a lot of kids are influenced by their peer groups. So if their peers don't, don't advocate for it, don't talk that way, don't think that it's appropriate and vocalize that that conduct is not acceptable within our social circle, that's a great way. That, that's probably the most impactful way for a university's uh, student body to become more aware and reduce the number of sexual assaults on campus is to have a student body that says it's not acceptable to do that here. Mm -hmm. The fifth point here is the lack of barriers between campus and the community. And it's pretty low at 7% feel that that's the case. So I really think that that point probably is targeting campuses in larger communities where the areas around the communities, which it typically, statistically, is transitional housing, is not very safe. It's, I mean, it's reasonable to believe that these are rental properties that, that uh, surround campuses. So that transitional housing across the nation uh, statistically has a higher crime rate than the more permanent housing suburbs and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So easy access to buildings, number six. And that's something we talked about earlier, yeah. is I would really like the university to push for restricted access on all buildings. If you don't have a reason to be there, you don't have access to be there. Um, not enough security cameras. There's, a, there's always, it comes down to money. We have security cameras, but we don't ever have enough. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't, even without being invasive on, on people's privacy, we could still increase the number of cameras that we have here on campus to just provide a better service to our students to say protect their vehicles in parking lots from unreported accidents to preventing sexual assaults in parking lots. So I'd like to see that, and I certainly agree with that point there. And the, the eighth point here is crowded sidewalks and dangerous crosswalks. I don't think our sidewalks are, are crowded. We don't have a crowding issue here at Dakota State, but we do have a couple of hazardous crosswalks. Part of that hazard, to be quite frank, is students not paying attention, though. They're using the crosswalk, mm -hmm. but they're also not looking for cars. You gotta maybe put your phone down for a moment and just watch while you cross the road. Too many, uh, kids are like squirrels when it comes to dealing with cars. You're gonna lose. You are gonna lose. If, you're get, if you get caught in the roadway with a car, you're gonna lose. So we don't want to see, we don't want to see anybody injured. We don't want to see uh, your education interrupted. And we don't want that black smear on the university that somebody got hurt here when we maybe could have protected them a little better. So there's ways that we can improve our crosswalk safety, but there's certainly things that students need to take upon themselves to protect themselves when they're out and about campus. Sure. So if people want to get in contact with you during the school year, what's the best way to find you? best way to find is just to come down to my office and look for me. Otherwise, they can always call me uh, on my university cell phone. The number is 605-270-0055. And leave a message, send an email. I'm in the university directory. Like I said, you'll see me around campus, and they can always call. And if they can call Campus Watch, uh, I answer those phones too throughout the day. Campus Watch will leave me a message if you call at night. 
So there's a lot of ways to get a hold of me, uh, but I encourage everybody who has a question just to come and talk to me face to face so we can develop that relationship and, and make campus safe together. Well, we're certainly lucky to have you here on campus. Thank you. Thanks for coming in to record the episode today. You are welcome. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Okay, I have a good story for you.